Welcome to HealthCast for the week of May 18th, 2015. I'm your host, Bill Balderas. Today we're joined by Kathy Divis, president of Greystone.net. Kathy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bill. I'm really excited to be here this morning. Great. Well, I, I know I've seen you speak before. I've read a lot of your publications. I'm sure our audience knows you as well. But I understand your real passion right now is helping those of us in healthcare marketing get up to speed on some of our digital marketing tactics. Absolutely. I mean, I've been involved in healthcare marketing for probably 30 plus years now, but it's a time of very rapid change. And trying to make sure that the senior marketing executives are really ahead of the curve with regard to digital marketing is, is really important these days. And it's something that I thoroughly enjoy and like to help bring people along on, on the topic and the ideas. So what's changed? I, I talk to healthcare marketers all day long, and there's this perception that the last 18 months, the last two years, everything's changed on them. What, what are the forces that are driving this sudden change within our industry? Well, I do think there has been a lot of change. There's always been a lot of change, I think, in healthcare and in marketing. But with the really the advent of technology and the internet and the move toward digital and digital transformation, we've really gotten to a point where there's a book that's called um, Everything You Know About Marketing is Wrong, where that seems to be becoming more and more true all the time. But we're being forced. Uh, marketing is becoming much more technical. It's becoming much more of a science than an art. And consumers, frankly, expect much more from an organization from a digital perspective. They expect to be able to, to do business with you online, not just communicate um, with you online. So there really are a lot of forces that seem to be converging at one point in time that's really impacting how a healthcare marketer does his or her job these days. Your comment about interacting online is, is interesting, and, and I know there's this idea, especially with traditional healthcare marketing, around broadcast and outdoor and direct mail. So you you know you send the new residents in town a postcard, telling introducing them to your hospital. You put up a billboard on the the busiest intersection or highway in town, and and for a long time that was I think considered healthcare marketing. When you talk about doing business online or having conversations online, what does that look like? Well. I think the, the typical healthcare consumer wants to be able to get information um, from a health system online. They want to be able to find out about your services and your docs and your, um, you know, what you have to offer them. But what we're really finding is that people want to do business with you online like they do with other industries. So they want to be able to talk to their physicians in a secured manner via email. They want to be able to set up their own appointments online. If they can do it in open table for a restaurant reservation, why can't they do it online to make a doctor's appointment? They want to be able to pay their bills online. They want reminders of appointments and medical um, um, medications and things like that all to be done online. So yes, they want to communicate with you, but they also want to self-serve and they want to be able to do business with the organization in a time and a way that's convenient to them. And for most of us these days, that means online electronically. I love your open table example. And there's, there's a phrase we've been banding about on this show the last few weeks, the retailization of healthcare. That is, patients' behavior are more like shoppers. That means all of us in, in marketing and healthcare have to behave more like retailers. What are some of the other brands or lessons or things that you see from other industries that 
we should all look around and say, that's very applicable to what we do. I do think that Open Table is a really good example. But I also think we just need to be um, conscious of the idea that digital is very, very powerful. And it's really raising the expectations of what customers want from us and think about from us. And so as we move forward, I think there's a lot of examples where we can go to the banking industry, for example, and look at how you pay bills online. And can you pay a hospital bill or a provider bill online as easily as you can go in and pay your electricity bill online? Um, Those are the kinds of expectations that customers have these days. And when I hear all the things you're talking about, all the features and benefits and products and services you're recommending healthcare marketers offer, my mind goes to a role like a chief digital officer. And I think a lot of hospitals today have a chief marketing officer, a chief communications officer, a PR director. Not everyone has a chief digital officer. Is that, is that a requirement? Is that going to replace one of these roles? Is it adding to a role? What's, what's the role of a chief digital officer within healthcare or a hospital system? Well, I think chief digital officers really are much more prevalent outside of healthcare than they are in healthcare. And there, there are some reports from Gartner and organizations like that that the percentage of organizations that have a chief digital officer are growing perhaps as high as 25 or 30% now. But a chief digital officer is, is that person that straddles the bridge or the gap between marketing and technology and is really typically responsible for moving the organization forward from a digital evolution perspective. He or she drives the digital transformation of not only the marketing side of the business, but the operational side of the business. I don't really believe personally that it's going to replace the chief marketing officer, nor do I think it's going to replace the chief information officer. What I do think is it's at least a position that for a period of time, is it going to be six months, is it going to be two years, five years, until we move through this digital transformation, a chief digital officer really does have a vital role in the organization to bridge those gaps. What it morphs into over time, I think that's anybody's guess right now. Certainly. You made a comment in one of the very first questions here about marketing becoming less of an art and more of a science. Can you give us some tactical examples of the change you've seen in your years of digital marketing of how that transformation's occurred? Sure. I, I, I think you, all you have to really do is look at the idea of CRM, customer relationship marketing, and micro-targeting, uh, marketing automation, and the whole movement towards big data. We, as marketers, are beginning to really understand the value of data and how data should be driving our decisions and our, our movement into different areas for the consumers. And so I think mainly it's just the idea that marketing is really becoming very data-driven. And so we have to be a little bit of a data scientist as part of this process to make sure that we're really making good targeted decisions for our organizations that are effective and, and productive and, and really efficient from a cost perspective. Great, great. So some of those examples I know that I saw you talk about, one of them was around micro-targeting. So can you give our audience an idea of what micro-targeting is and maybe some examples of how you have seen hospitals apply that to their marketing programs? Sure. 
as marketers, we've been segmenting customers into different um, audiences for as long as probably we've had data or we've thought about it. But micro-targeting really is the practice of using data to tailor a message that's really written or designed for a very tight, small group of individuals. So one of the things that I said at the conference was that it's time to throw out our playbook, our one-to-many playbook, where we're sending out a message to a large group of people and realize that this is now a time when customization and personalization is really what we need so that we can um, we can really target those those small groups. So, you know, we're no longer, I shouldn't say we're no longer, what we're seeing is a movement toward many smaller home campaigns as opposed to large mass um, campaigns. So where your marketing department in the past may have been responsible for two or three or five or ten campaigns throughout a year, you may be doing hundreds of them now in a year because you're doing small campaigns targeted at a distinct group of folks. So that's really kind of that movement. It's really moving down to personalization and customization of a message that you're taking to your potential prospect or patient. And do you feel that's the expectation of a patient, that I want something that feels so personal to me? I, I really do. You know, there's a time and a place, obviously, for mass communications. But, but we know so much more about our customers these days and our patients that it really is time that we construct really relevant um, communications to that specific patient. Great. Are there, you know, I know some of large retailers, um, Target uh, is one that's frequently in the news for this as well, has gotten very good at analyzing what's in someone's shopping cart and then reaching out to them with coupons, offers, direct mail, mobile marketing. Does that sort of thing apply in healthcare? Are there, are there HIPAA or privacy concerns if suddenly I'm getting messages online or emails or texts specific to some of my behavior, medications, conditions? Where, where's the line between great service and that privacy violation crossed? That kind of creepy feeling. <laughs> Certainly, right. You know too much about me. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and that is something that in healthcare we have to be really careful about because you can pass perhaps not only the HIPAA line, but just the, the creepy factor line in terms of um, knowing too much about, about our prospects or our patients. And, you know, different search engines and different advertising networks have different rules. But generally speaking, I think you want to provide, you, you want to use information that um, really does give the, the, the patient relevant information. If you're a 55-year-old woman and you, you don't have kids at this point in your life, then you really don't need to be sending me pediatric information and, and those kinds of things. So there's definitely a need to target. But I do think you need to be careful that, uh, at least from a healthcare perspective, that you're advertising, if you're doing retargeting, for an example, on a Facebook network or on you know, a browser-based retargeting campaign, then you want to make sure that you're probably a, a, a little bit generic. So it's not coming off as, hey, I'm targeting you because you were, you know, looking at the information on prostate cancer and now I'm going to start sending you content about prostate cancer. You just can't use personally identifying information um, very easily in healthcare. And, and Kathy, you set up the next part perfectly. So you've already talked about 
search engine advertising and, and Facebook ads. And so paid placement. Every healthcare marketer I talk to is lamenting their lower impressions they're getting with, with Facebook, the fact that their content's not being displayed to their uh, followers, that it's harder and harder to get that organic reach online. So what's the benefit of paid placement? Is, is that really the direction we all should be going? Oh, well, I, don't, I really don't think we have any choice. If, in fact, you want to communicate or reach an audience that's on um, a social network, you know, the days of free social reach are really over. And if you don't pay for placement, your followers just likely aren't going to be able to see what you're doing in, in the um, social ring. So, yeah, I really do think that we need to start building into our budgets and into our thought process the idea that social media never was free. We just thought it was free because it's always taken time and effort and people to, to do it. And now we're going to have to start budgeting um, and spending some time and investing some time in both um, paid and sponsored placements if we really do want to engage those customers. Kathy, it's at one of the other sessions that I saw in Las Vegas, it was someone from Facebook, and, and the statistic was that I believe it's one out of every five minutes that any human being spends on a mobile device is spent on Facebook. Uh, so you've, you've talked about the pay for place within Facebook, but the mobile domination, the fact that the, the phones are always available I, as a patient, so taking off my, my healthcare marketing hat, putting on my patient hat, when I'm in a waiting room at a hospital, everyone in there is on a phone or a tablet, and I know what I'm doing. I'm looking at WebMD or I'm, I'm reaching out to people on my network talking about my doctor's appointment or questions I should ask. So the role of mobile in healthcare marketing, how, how big is it really? How important is it? I think it's incredibly important, and, and I think it's underestimated by a lot of healthcare marketers. I think there's a lot of folks out there in our industry in particular that see mobile really as a, a second screen, a, um, an afterthought. And um, I think if you do that, you really are risking losing relevance with those um, connected customers like you're, you're discussing. But you're exactly right. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, people are tethered to their, their mobile devices. Our belief at Greystone and my belief is that if you don't have a mobile strategy, you really don't have a future strategy because customer expectations have changed. They expect to do whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they are, on whatever device that they have. So if you don't have an effective mobile strategy, I really don't think you have a future strategy. So if I'm a, a hospital marketer and I hear you say, they say, well, our, our website's mobile responsive. It's mobile friendly. I can check the box. You could. That probably wouldn't be what I would recommend most people do. Um, it is important that it's mobile responsive, obviously. But I do think you really need to um, take a step back and think about the patient journey or the customer journey from a mobile perspective and develop a mobile patient strategy or a mobile patient experience. And not many of us are doing that these days. Not many of us are really stepping back and saying, how would I reimagine this if I was on a mobile device? I listened to a webinar um, probably four or five weeks ago, maybe longer now, from the folks at Altimeter. 
uh, the altimeter yes. system. And the premise was that we are quickly moving to an environment where we will have mobile-only customers. Wow. So the only way that our, yeah, the only way our customers interact with us will be on mobile devices. And I, I would say that for most of us in healthcare, that's a very, very scary thought <laughs> because we are not prepared to communicate and do business with our customer base, our patients, on mobile devices only. Right. And so we've got to step back and think about that and reimagine that environment and that relationship. You know, earlier in this conversation, you and I talked a lot about learning from other industries, borrowing great ideas from retail or other industries. Marketing automation is a term that I think about travel companies do so well. If you search a, a trip to Mexico, suddenly you're getting emails and you're getting you know uh, targeted advertisement or if I search on buying a car and I, I register with the website I'm being nurtured I'm getting regular emails telling me about the vehicles I'm looking at and which ones are selling for-profit education I think made their fortune doing this I would I would download a paper from a for-profit school and I would get notes saying a bill if you'd enrolled when you first downloaded you'd be through your first semester now or you'd have your degree by now I think there's there's so many and I tend to get a lot from Yes. <laughs> well, there we go. We got we have a, a little bit of a, a shared experience there, but maybe with different products. But how does that work with healthcare? Who do you see doing this well? Give me some examples of marketing automation that you would recommend to to someone in the healthcare industry. Um, well, you know, healthcare automation is just a little um, tougher or scarier, as we talked about. Um, because you have to be careful for HIPAA and for privacy purposes. Um, but there certainly are a variety of things. I'm seeing people that are doing it for um, health enrollment, so targeted ads and posts when large employer groups are able to sign up, for example. We showed an example in Vegas that Sharp Healthcare did where they were we're doing retargeting to people living in California who had a, a, an ability to sign up for a certain health plan, and they wanted them to make sure that they were picking plans that were that included Sharp as an example. So that that's one example. You can also do it for things like just reminders of annual mammograms or physicals or you know those kinds of things. You could really do it for anything. I've seen it for event registration. You get invited. To a certain event, if you don't respond, you get another you get another invitation or you get another event back to you. So there's a, a variety of different ways. You just have to be a little, you know, give it a little bit of thought um, when you're talking about a healthcare topic. And so whether it's marketing automation, whether it's paid ads, whether it's micro-targeting, mobile marketing, these are all just channels. None of this works without content. And nothing, whether it's, it's shoes for you or whether it's bass fishing for me, nothing is, even that isn't as important or personal as the health of ourselves, our kids, our parents, our, our loved ones. So it's a little bit cliche to say content is king. We've all been saying that since the internet was invented. But how do you feel? What, what is the role of quality content? How do you build a quality content team? Do we need to think like editors What's, what's your view on the role of content within these other four trends you've just spoken about? Well, I do think that the role of content has um, shifted a little bit also. Our content is still king. I imagine it probably always will be. But we're, we're certainly moving into a, a period of time where um, brand journalism is becoming more prevalent. 
and brands like our hospitals really need to communicate and want to communicate directly with um, customers and not necessarily go through intermediaries. And so we've become publishers, and that means that we really have to have very strong communicators, and we really have to look at the volume of content that we're developing and determine whether or not we are, um, you used the word retailing um, earlier, sometimes we use, I use merchandising. Are we merchandising that content? If we create one piece of content, can we replicate it or use it in, you know, five or six or seven different channels? So I, I think that brands and hospitals really need to have um, compelling content. I think it needs to be adaptable across platforms. I think it really has to, it kind of ties back to our micro-targeting micro comments that we made earlier. The content that you produce has to really tie back to what are the needs of that particular person. And those days of um, being able to control the message are really probably over. You know, online chatter about you and your organization are going to shape our customers' communications or perspectives of us. So we really need to be, be moving into an era of time where we are providing compelling content, but realizing that we can influence, we can serve, but we don't control the message any longer. So speaking of compelling content and great content, Kathy, where can our listeners go to learn more about your research, uh, the information Greystone publishes? If they're really interested in this topic, where do they go next? Uh, to learn more about Greystone particularly? Absolutely. We would encourage you to come to our website, which is greystone.net, um, G-R-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E.net. We've got a book, we've got a blog, we've got LinkedIn groups. We do an annual conference every year called the Healthcare Internet Conference, which has become quite, quite large. Um, we're going into our 19th year this year. We'll probably have seven or eight hundred attendees and eighty or so booths, lots of speakers. So it's really an opportunity to learn a lot about digital transformation of, of healthcare. Great. Well, I know we always look forward to that event, and we will certainly be there again this year. In closing, Kathy, you've got a crystal ball. You and I are talking again in a year, in 18 months. What's the future hold for the healthcare marketing? We've talked about these five trends. What's the up-and-coming thing? What's the thing that in a year from now we're going to look back and say, wow, this this seemed to exist last time Kathy and Bill had a chance to talk? One of the things that I think is really on the cusp um, right now is really the, the concept of the Internet of Things. And I think probably a lot of your listeners are aware of it, but I don't know if they know the um, speed at which it's growing. As of last year, there were about 4 billion devices that were connected online. But Intel says that by about 2020, in, in less than five years, that there'll be about 200 billion. And so that works out to be roughly... 26 smart devices um, per human. That's kind of a scary thought. <laughs> yes. But, but that ability that, you know, the Internet of Things, which connects people and objects and the environment to the Internet, gives us an opportunity to have constant, real-time data. And so that's going to change everything we do. And I honestly think it's going to revolutionize how we do marketing. 
there's going to be, uh, you know, all kinds of opportunities for advertising change and for real-time customized communication. If I'm getting a stream of data from you kind of on a routine basis, then just think how you can customize the communication back to that customer. I think as we look into the crystal ball, the wearable devices, the connected devices are really going to impact marketing and, and how we stay connected with our patients and our customers. That's fabulous, Kathy. And you can, it's not too hard to see the impact that could have on patient care and the, and the quality of the lives that we all impact. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We've been speaking with Kathy Divis, president of Graystone.net. Thank you. I'm Bill Balderas, your host for HealthCast. And until next time, don't just live, live well.